Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the new breed tech platform used by 15,000 recruiters worldwide. Vincere is the secret weapon for progressive recruitment firms. It provides recruiters with everything they need to scale from CRM slash ATS through to online timesheets, websites and analytics. A true all-in-one growth platform built by recruiters for recruiters. Learn more about Vinny's story on my exclusive interview with their founder on episode 43 of this podcast. If you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to accelerate growth, visit vincere.io slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Welcome along to another episode of Talent Talk Asia podcast, where I interview some of the most talented people in Asia. And today I'm joined by Ling Xiangli, Principal at Robert Waters Sales and Marketing, Industrial Technology and Services based here in Singapore. Now we get technical in this pod with Ling sharing her expertise on business development approaches, sourcing strategies and why she boomerang back to Robert Waters after a short stint as an in-house TA. This is what is in store for you today. You know, one of my best mentors will always tell me like, you don't, we, we shouldn't really look at client and candidate as separate. You should really see them as together because eventually good candidates do become your clients, um, which which I think, I mean, I've benefited from that a lot, really, um, because then a lot of the relationships that you would hope to build with your clients, you should be able to then build with your candidates as well. Enjoy the show. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. We don't know each other that well, do we? So I'm actually kind of, I'm kind of super nervous, but I'm also super excited to talk to you because I don't know you. So I feel that my listeners get to know you at the same time as I get to know you. So I'm, I'm kind of That's excited to, to, I have loads of questions for you. I hope you're, I hope you're ready for them all. Now, as I said in the introduction, um, you have over eight years of experience in recruiting, but you started off your career as a corporate sales manager at the Grand yeah. Hyatt. Then you moved into recruitment yeah. and you started off with, with Robert Walters, um, where you joined in 2013. So today's podcast is probably a little bit different in that I really wanted to go into some technical kind of recruitment questions. and sure. um, Because I feel sometimes I interview a lot of leaders and that's great. That's wonderful. But I think there's quite a lot of recruiters out there in the market that probably just want to know, how do you do it? How do you hit your numbers? You know, um, I asked a few people at Robert Waters, who's the top performer at Robert Waters? I want a really top performer on my show. And your name came up a few times. So I feel like really grateful to have you on the show so we can just learn, that the listeners can learn a little bit more about you. So um, you're going to be exhausted after this podcast because I'm just going to pump you like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Extremely flattered. They're probably, um, yeah, not doing me a favour. But (laughs) yeah, no, they're not doing you a favour. They've really put you in it, haven't they? So I want to, I kind of want to get into the, the business development side, actually, in terms of kind of a topic, if that's okay. Um, and I know it's probably an area of business development right now where maybe people aren't doing business development as much because the market's quite buoyant this year, but we all know it's going to come back. So when it comes to kind of generating revenue from a new account, what's kind of your approach? How do you go about it that makes you successful in it? 
Um, well, I, I actually do think that a lot of times I, I tend to volunteer information first because I, I always feel, I don't know, like I'm just a little shy having to ask for something in return if I, if I don't have anything to offer, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so I think sharing that market info, you know, obviously making sure it's aligned with company, um, the industry, the firm actually operates in, it's, it's important. Um, and I think I also try my very best in that short frame of time to just really understand, um, you know what does the firm really stand for from a culture perspective so that you how'd can you do that then how do you how do you go and find that out um well you you gather a lot from you know obviously the, the net in the internet today i mean beyond just your very boring corporate websites um you know yeah. you get a lot of that information i think through linkedin you know glassdoor is obviously a good um source of information as well and you're trying to marry that in into your your conversation with um with any potential clients and i and i always see it to be more like a conversation both ways just getting to know each other yeah. um yeah, almost like going on a first date, right? Without yeah. asking them, hey, you oh. know, do you have this job then? Sangli, I couldn't even remember a first date. I've been married to my husband for like a trillion years. So, I mean, I I couldn't even imagine, you know, I don't even think back that far. Uh, When you said volunteering information, Mm. what what kind of information are we talking about here? Um, It could be market information, just in terms of recruiting trends, things that we've picked up on the market that we feel might be relevant for this particular Like what? And the reason I'm saying like what is, Mm. is, you know, for sort of new recruiters out there, I'm sure they don't want to kind of spill off the same old stuff that maybe everyone's doing and obviously HR mm-hmm. don't want to hear the same old stuff so is there anything sort of specific that you like to share that kind of does grab the client's interest at all? Um, I think if we look at recruiting trends then of course it's important you know you know your area well so for example I recruit for sales and marketing professionals right so if for example yeah. if I could share a piece of information on digital for example what the talent pool actually looks like what's the rough sort of increments we've kind of seen for right. the rest of this year um, so something quite um, like once and again I think it, it needs to be quite specific to the yeah. client that you're actually talking to and it needs to be yeah. something that um I guess really captures their attention right yeah. and not which just one, one of those standard hey you know I've got a salary survey for you which every other firm offers um yeah it's and it's not to say that that's not useful but I think you need to think about how that tailors to that potential client that you're actually talking to yeah I think you're right I think I think the salary survey I know Rob Walters do a fantastic one and but by the time it's printed, it can get a bit out of date. So it's kind of yeah. having to do your own one for your own market, isn't it? And being mm. able to share that, that's kind of quite quite up to date yeah. and it's regularly kind of it modified. Be, yeah, up to date. And I think also um, maybe in a very subtle manner, it's good to share some knowledge and information on what you know of their competitors so that you they kind of know that you actually do know the space. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a ton of acquisition that's happened across, um, you know, the last two years, specifically in the era of technology. So, um, yeah, so I guess just maybe keeping abreast and just knowing what are some of the key trends out there, um, some major movements in the market, always good to share. Yeah. What sort of, um, and that's really soon, what, what other approaches do you find when you're breaking into a new account? What kind of works? I mean, you've, you've kind of got over the pitch or at least the first mm. introduction. What about kind of the, the actual sort of strategy side of kind of how do you first kind of go about mapping that market? How do you know it's the right ones you're going to? How, how do you go about doing that that makes it successful for you? Um, so I'll, I'll be honest, I think a lot of times it's about information you pick up from the market, actually. Um, and I think you you try and, you know, I, I mean, I, I do in my own free time try and read up about um, a lot of the firms that operate in the industry that I actually cover. Um, and that's that a consistent I, thing for you? Do you sort of, do you carve out time sort of every day and make that 
like a focus or is it just kind yeah. of randomly throughout the week how, yeah how do you go so about i read it that? first time like, i read it first thing in the morning do like, you it can come in like news for example i mean there's like a there's a whole like column uh, on technology for example for one of the areas that i cover um you know that can come from you know the likes of like your cnn your economist um even with local um um news channels as well so all of that like okay. information i think it's 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 just always good to have more yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think I've seen some of the most top performing recruiters do dedicate their morning, like an eight o'clock to 8.30, where, okay, they might be eating their cereal in, in the office or now probably at home, but they are reading and, and having that kind of curiosity about the industry that you recruit into is so important because mm-hmm. even some of the stuff that you're absorbing, you don't even realise until you're having that conversation with a client and then you remember that you listen to something that morning or whenever That's that is. It just, yeah. It just creates that conversation. It also probably does it give you confidence when you're out there making those calls that you've you've got a little bit more armor out yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. Like I feel like I have a lot more to sort of like talk about, you know, especially yeah. maybe the individual is maybe not as warm as um, you know, as some of the other clients on the other side of the line. And I think also, um, you know, I think it's just about yeah, I guess just understanding, um, even in the recruiting role, like the recruiting market, like there's this whole talk around like the great resignation because oh, of I the know. current God, pandemic. It's everywhere. And- if I see another post on that, I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> everyone's trying to make it, everyone's trying to make their post slightly different, but it's still yeah. the same topic. Yeah, yeah, I know. correct. I'm over um, it. I'm over it. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just about I, I guess finding that right sort of hook, if that makes sense, for the right yeah. client when you're you're kind of on the line with them. Also because uh, you know their days are super busy, right, in and out, and they probably haven't even had time to look at the news for today. So yeah, um, so it just really depends. Yeah, no, I like that. I think that's that's some really good advice for people out there. So everyone, get up early and start being curious about your markets. <laughs> and, and really, but also I think what's interesting, it's credible sources, right? Mm. Um, it, it's it's not looking at tabloids or anything like that. But yeah. And sometimes it is paying up and, you know, if you're if you're working, you know, in an area that's maybe international, being able to subscribe to really great um, newspapers or, you know, credible, mm. um, subscribe to some credible places. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are some of the pitfalls that recruiters fall into when they go about planning their business development strategy that you've seen? from your own experiences or other recruiters? No, I, I fell into that as well. I mean, everybody starts off being completely fresh to recruitment, right? I think back in the day, I was just so bogged down with like chasing a particular job lead. Like immediately when you pick up the phone, you just go, hey, you know, are you guys still recruiting for this role? <laughs> um, No. And then yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, oh dear, like what, what should I say, right? Yeah. Um, so I think, I, I, I think, um, I don't know, a lot of the successful mentors and recruiters I've worked with over the years have always, I guess, looked at recruitment from a very, um, a, a lot more of a, from a more partnership type of angle. And they're mm. a lot more proactive when it comes to recruitment in general. And it's not so much about like that one immediate role that you need to fill. So I think it's, it's, it's difficult. I think when you first start off, it's, you're always under that time pressure to build right but I think if you if you do think about like your own career from a longer term perspective then naturally that that helps build that yeah. longer term approach to things and I suppose also just that kind of that that preparation isn't it like as you said you know sort of just yeah. kind of picking up the fucking up picking up the phone and hoping that the conversation is going to go okay yeah just having that kind of that that full that full preparation yeah. I think one thing that 
obviously Robert Waters do really well is their database, right? So when you're going about business mm. development, there's probably a lot on the database to give you some idea of, of maybe it's a new account, but you might have had a you know a candidate or a client that's you know you've worked with before that's now landed there or something like that. That's mm -hmm. you know I'm sort I I feel sometimes other recruitment firms don't always put a lot of emphasis on using a database. Mm -hmm. um, but that's one thing I'm sure yeah. you can probably agree how, how important it is and how valuable it is when it comes to doing business development, having everything on there. Yeah. So when recruiters come and go, there's at least something there that gives you some guidance and to help you do your BD. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I think also... Um, you know, a lot of times you get, you, you you try and hide behind an email. You know, I think you get so much more out of just, like you said, yeah. right, picking up the phone and just having a, a conversation, right? Because you, you you get to pick up like different things as well. Um, not yeah. just, you know, not not just market info, but they could, you know, some certain things like, um, you know, maybe one of the employees have like just changed roles in the organization and that that happens to fall under your organization, that, that kind of information gets through yeah. the cracks. It's not maybe something you would share via email anyway so yeah um no, I would say always pick up the phone like, do you, have you ever felt that you're that you're not comfortable picking up the phone never so you're so but you must have experienced people around you that have because I know I know when we used to try and do BD days people would just rather yeah. rather send an email send an like email. it is quite yeah. hard for some and I'm not just saying it's a yeah I'm certainly not saying it's a Robert Walters thing because I think it's a an industry thing particularly in Asia where if there's a choice some people would prefer to send an email and hope to God that they reply that, they reply. Um, that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it ties into maybe what we've discussed initially, right? But like, like for me, I, I just built my confidence with information that I know. So for me, yeah. um, picking up that call is always going to be more logical because that's how I, I, I gather information, um, you know, it, regardless for any part of the recruitment cycle, actually. So you would say for someone to be more successful at bringing a new business, they've really got to get over that hump of, or that that hurdle of um, hiding behind the screen and actually just yeah, biting the bullet and just get on the phone. Yeah, yeah definitely. No, totally agree. What, yeah. what do you think clients are looking for in a recruitment partner that maybe has changed since when you first started in 2013? Um, well, I think... Um, I think a lot has changed. I think they tend to ask maybe more specific questions about the industry that, um, you know, we operate in, whether or not we know much about, um, you know, the business in the region. Um, I, I think naturally they're looking for longer term partners that can mm. actually really support their growth. Um, and I think today, um, you know, the, the, the immediate issue I don't feel is just about recruiting. I think it's also about retention. So I think what they really look out for is someone that can, same thing, right? Be a little bit more proactive in terms of keeping an eye out for what is going to stick with them from a culture perspective, from a values perspective. And, mm. and you know, if, if same thing, if the recruiter is going to be quite in touch with the market, they know what are some of these new skill sets that um, would, would be required of a particular role, then actually they're able to then come through with a candidate on a more proactive sort of basis rather than just having to scramble right like oh you know this is the JD can you please go find me the person yeah yeah, yeah. so how are you trying to find out what the culture the value all of those things are when you have when you're having those meetings um with, with the client yeah I asked them about what they look out for attributes wise and and types of candidates that they would typically hire if they don't have the the immediate sort of skill sets for the role and do you find that when you're trying to assess that from a candidate perspective, is that quite tricky? Because, you know, when you're trying to 
ascertain someone's values or whether they're the right cultural fit. Um, you know, because sometimes clients can give the buzzwords of certain values and, yeah. um, but how are you going about sort of assessing, assessing candidates that you meet, yeah, particularly when it's probably virtual than face-to-face where you can't always kind of get that, that gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think yeah. a values Absolutely right. And um, I mean, I, I struggle with that, a Zoom call or like, just I mean, one coffee and, today, right? and it's a done deal there. I mean, we, we do that, unfortunately, from, from time to time because of, um, you know, the nature of the work that we do. But, um, you know, if, if you do look at building your book of business and you, you own it, then technically you should know your candidates well, um, you know, with time. To How long to do you tend those. to take interviewing a candidate? Typically, about Typically, an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So again? An hour? Yeah. An hour. Okay. An hour and I, I suppose, look, I'm, I'm, I love to hear that. I really love to hear that. The one, one topic for me is... I love candidate interviewing. It's, it's my bag. I love it. And, and it's something that I've always found a struggle within the recruitment industry on trying to push the importance of a good candidate interview. Yeah. Because I think so many do 20 minutes and they think they've got it all, but mm. then they wonder why they don't know the candidate and why they yeah. dropped off the cliff. Um, where the most important part for us in terms of our value is how we assess, how we verify. You know, we're not just seeing if they're if they're going to be good for the job, we're also just, you know, we're, we're ranking them against other people that we're putting forward in terms of that shortlist. Right. So when you say an hour, um, that makes me happy. <laughs> that makes me happy <laughs> yeah, to hear that. Ross, uh, but, um, Andrew, sorry. I, I don't know if that, that helps, but like, I never, re- I mean, for a lot of the roles that we, we hire for, they're more mid-level types of positions. Right. So I literally spent a good 10 to 15 minutes understanding like, what they actually do from a from a functional yeah. perspective, yeah. but the rest of the time is just about picking up cues and understanding them as a person. Like for yeah. me, well, that's where you're building the trust, aren't you? you know, exactly. Un- but I th- but I think like it goes back to that curiosity again, doesn't it? It's the curiosity of look. I I've, I might have interviewed a candidate, the candidate similar to this today, but you might do the role slightly differently, or how you articulate what you do is very differently. Different. You know, you're yeah. still getting to know that individual person on how you sell and how you influence them. Just on that, when you're going about selling a candidate to a client, mm-hmm. do you find, you know, obviously you're probably doing it over the phone as opposed to face-to-face selling them now. What's kind of your approach? How do you go about doing that? And, so, you know, getting an interview for a candidate of yours, is there sort of a certain way that you do that, that kind of works? So I get them to kind of think um, a little bit more, um, I guess, in multiple perspectives, right? Like I try and look at it more so from a retention angle than a hiring angle, because Mm -hmm. we've talked about that earlier. I think it's more, it's beneficial for all parties from a longer term perspective. So I usually focus a lot more on their motivations as to Mm -hmm. wanting the role and obviously what they know of the organization um, to then be able to sort of convince the hiring manager or the immediate team that this would be a good fit. Because they, they don't want to end up in a situation where we're just going to be going through a checkbox exercise, right? When from a, from a retention angle, then that becomes a problem. And are you kind of, you know, selling candidates over the phone or are they for specific roles? You know, are you specking candidates over the phone? Like how aggressive are you guys mm. at being able to get candidates interviews and jobs? I, I think the best um, way to secure an interview actually is just by talking to the client over the phone because that's how you once and again build that relationship. It shows a lot about whether or not you've actually really met the candidate. Yeah. Yeah. And I but think what if you also, can't get hold of the client, like more often than not, now that they're working at home, it's not as easy, right, as it once mm-hmm. was. I've been able to kind of call a switchboard and 
call a client now mm. it's got you know especially if yeah. they're a new client like I understand if it's an existing client it's a lot easier right you've probably got their mobile number but what if you've got a great can that you've met and you're specking it out somewhere do you fall back on email or do you try and find the phone number and sell them uh, I try and find a phone number if I don't have it. Um, I try LinkedIn, actually. I ping them on LinkedIn first um, before, I mean, the last resort would obviously be an email. And if I do end up sending an email, the information needs to be um, enough for them to want to have a conversation with me. Um, it shouldn't also then be too much for them to go, you know what, that's that, that's not going to be a good fit. Right. Like, so, so that it gives like me an opportunity. Bit of a teaser. Bit yeah. of a teaser. Yeah. And do you, do you use tools like... Um like Lucia or whatever you call it, to get emails or phone numbers? Um, we don't do that that much, actually. It's, it's okay. um, yeah, so we, we deal, yeah, I, I think we use, we use LinkedIn a lot Just more. use LinkedIn a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you kind of win over HR or TA? I know in Women in Recruitment Asia, we had Lisa Mulligan from HR come on the <sighs> show and it was pretty controversial because, um, you know, she was telling she was really given her perspective which I totally appreciated but you could tell every agency person that was watching it was like oh my oh god, god. <laughs> this is what you really think of us but this is what we really think of you as an HR and it was just oh, it was just such an interesting um topic how do you kind of go about winning over HR or TA Oh, I would love to say buy them a nice coffee, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't work as doesn't much. Work as really. always. Sometimes uh, it does, or a sometimes drink. it doesn't, right? Yeah. Um, personally, I think it's just honesty. Like if you if you can deliver the role, you tell them. If you can't, then you can't. Um, yeah. If you know, yeah. you know. If you don't, then don't don't try and kind of bluff your way through. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's so many times where you, you, you know, you've heard people say, "Oh, yeah, no, we're really, really confident we can do that." I've done it myself when I first start. When I first started out, I pretended that I knew what was it I was doing. It was some venture capital or some role that I had absolutely no idea, and I pretended I did. And I was so embarrassed in the meeting because I was trying to blag it, and I just had no idea. It just embarrasses you, embarrasses the client, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I vowed I would always just say, no, it's not my, it's not it's my, not my yeah, 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 no. Yeah. And look, I've, I mean, I've like when I first started, I I fell into the trap too because you you want to be able to fill the role, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's it's money on the table in that sense, and I yeah, I was just so embarrassed when the client. Yeah. Or you just say, look, you know, our team have been successful at it or as a business we have. Yeah. I personally am quite new to that area, but in yeah. terms of the methodology and the process around recruiting, yeah. I'm specialised in other areas. It's not that far of a stretch to be looking outside that. Yeah. I think it's just how you deliver that message, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Just, you know, you just use your same sort of sourcing. Um, now, going on to sort of sourcing channels, with Singapore tightening restrictions on foreigners, how mm. have you adjusted to sourcing local candidates? Hey listeners, time for you to grab a cuppa or maybe a chance to catch your breath on your morning run. Now, whilst you're doing that, I want to share with you one of our new training programs for 2022. So if you're a recruitment firm and you have some new starters joining and you're really struggling to put time aside to get them up and running, then our two-week bite-sized e strengths onboarding program may be just what you're looking for. We will get your new starters become really familiar with your values, your mission, your purpose, your structure, what your commissions look like, your rituals, and so that we will get them up and running and productive as quickly as possible. So if you're interested to hear more about that, reach out for a discussion. 
The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the new breed tech platform used by 15,000 recruiters worldwide. Vincere is the secret weapon for progressive recruitment firms. It provides recruiters with everything they need to scale from CRM slash ATS through to online timesheets, websites and analytics. A true all-in-one growth platform built by recruiters for recruiters. Learn more about Vinny's story on my exclusive interview with their founder on episode 43 of this podcast. If you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to accelerate growth, visit vincere.io slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Um, I think we've geared up quite a fair bit on um, the the Ballet Kampong campaign, which I'm sure you've heard of as well before. Mm. I think we've gotten in touch with multiple contact centres across a variety of cities for an, an, an immediate Singaporean community that will yeah. be coming through. So There's I think a strong one in London and America, isn't there, or New York? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've yeah. done stuff with those before mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, so we actually do have a like a proactive list that we actually update um, as we go um, with right. a dedicated um, consultant here that looks after the overseas Singaporean community. So I think that has geared up quite a fair bit. Um, and, and yeah, and I think with the local community as well, once and again, I think it's about, it's, it's about really being able to build that relationship so that you can mm. then get referrals coming through. Um, because same thing, right? If you, if, you, if you place a good candidate, you know a good candidate, yeah, chances of them referring will be a lot, a lot yeah. higher. How, yeah. Is it has how has it been kind of a focus though? Has it been a focus or is it, you know, is this something you guys have been looking at for a while or you know We've because been, obviously it all just kind of happened, didn't it? And everyone, no, you know, with no no one being able to travel, um, no one's able to get in, and the whole kind of restrictions from an employment pass perspective. How has that kind of driven how you change the way that you recruit when it comes to sourcing local candidates? Yeah, I think it's about, um, I mean, to be honest, we've actually focused on on local hiring since 2014, actually, when the Fair Employment Regulation has kicked in. I think it's about yeah. keeping that immediate pool of candidates engaged, um, yeah. you know, like for for very, very strong Singaporean PR candidates, um, we, we typically ask for exclusive um, arrangements with them, you know, Do being you? able to, yeah, yeah, we chart out a career plan for them. We say, look, you know, based on what we know in terms of what you've shared and what you're looking for, th- these are the companies that we would proactively approach on your behalf. Um, and we hear back, great. If we don't, then, you know, clearly happy for you to, um, you know, to share with us your feedback on the ground as well and additional clients that we can actually approach on behalf. Um, but we try and, you know, we, we try and take that one step further, I guess, from a quality perspective in terms of engagement. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's pretty much just making sure that we, you know, we have a good, um, we have a good pool of candidates that we have strong relationships with. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also probably helps if you're predominantly Singaporean recruiters as well, that there's Mm. a sort of that diverse, because I think, I know, and I think when I left, you joined, I left in April, 2013. I I think we missed each other, didn't we? Yeah. I think I joined, I I left the first week of April. So, um, and I know from a diversity, well, from a nationality perspective, I think it was fairly weighted on some more local Singaporeans or yeah. at least, you know, um, um, a mix versus kind of expatriate. And that was something I think we, we pushed towards, you know, very early on, which I think was a great move because it did mean that those connections that people have had of being Singaporean with, you know, you know being here long term, that consistency of re- building relations with client camps, you know, worked quite well. Yeah, yeah, de- de- definitely so. And I think um, 
you know, I think just also having that, um, you know, with, I mean, with with any any portfolio as well. I think if you've operated in a in that in that space for a good period of time, naturally that's how your yeah. own network and your database grows, yeah. right? It, just comes, um, it becomes a lot easier the longer you're yeah, in it, right? Yeah. yeah, and I think also a lot of it's got to do with how you manage your clients as well, right? I mean, as much yeah. as there are tightening restrictions there, um, a lot of clients do come back and say, you know what, Ling, you're right. Um, you know, you, you're right about the market for for a specific role. It's also about managing expectations upfront as to whether or not you have going to you're going to have actually an immediate pool of local talent that you can go after mm. um and i think sometimes clients appreciate that because they don't want to have to go through this entire um two week of sourcing only to find out that yeah. there's only one available talent in in the local community yeah. so um so it's about it's also about addressing that with a client up front i think we need to be a bit more bold with challenging their requirements yeah um yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think sometimes, yeah, you're try, trying to sort of have that relationship with a client and trying to agree with them, but actually you have to consult. You have to be able mm. to push back and say, look, that's that's going to be a struggle for us. Or have you looked at this alternative? In our opinion, it's worked if you look at this. You know, they, yeah. you know, I think they respect that more if you can be really honest with them than trying yeah. to kind of be a yes man. Yeah. yeah. Just from a market trends perspective, I know you're in sales and marketing now and the industrial um, and technical side. Um, what's the market like? What's in demand? What's in decline? Like, what's what's happening? Uh, so much has happened. I think all of this year, with um, you know, when it comes to industrial um, as well, actually, um, we've seen a lot of growth um, in areas like sustainability and renewable. Um, ah, yeah. yeah, you know, with this whole shift in, you know, um, plant-based food, for example, on the nutrition yes. side, a lot of growth in that space as well. Interesting. Yeah. So, so the whole Impossible Burgers and all those yeah, kind of stuff. Alternative. Even in Singapore restaurants, <laughs> we are seeing them now. I mean, it's 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 fantastic. <gasps> it's so fantastic to see a such a shift right yeah, yeah. It, and, and the shift has, has actually happened really really quickly actually um so I think the market has really only like sort of picked up here um you know right after the pandemic in in January anyway um but we've seen so much of hiring in in that space nutrition sustainable uh renewable type of fuels and energy so that's primarily on the industrial mm. side of things um I think within the marketing realm obviously digital talent has been very much in demand um, it's been the case for the last two years. Um, it's interesting though to see a lot of um, a lot of the challenges in hiring today. Personally, based on what yeah. I've experienced, it's just um, more around the fact that because there's been so much of talk around tech coming through, um, it has really reshaped the entire way we work. Um, and how we operate in in certain markets as well, that some of these roles have become a lot more generalist types of um, profiles that we would actually look out for. But um, but Singapore as a hiring community, it's never really a generalist type of route. Um, a lot of times they tend to hire people um, with more of a specialist type of track. Yeah. So, um, so the classic example would be a product manager role. Is it more technical or is it more commercial when, when technically it's a 50-50 split? Um, so it's been tough to sort of secure talent in that space, um, but that's that's been a massive growth. So era. what have you had to do to try and overcome that? Then, if there's if there is a lack of talent there, what have you, what, what's what's the strategy? Um, 
you know, you you kind of once and again you have to challenge the client, right? Because mm. if if this is the way the market is structured, um, between technical versus commercial, you're gonna have to make yeah. a de- decision as to what what like what actually is really the weightage. Like, is it going to be, um, are you able to do sixty forty, right? Because then, yeah. um, it just means that we 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 will pick a, a more technical person over a more commercial type of person, um, and I think also it's also a lot of times about challenge maybe the level of the role um, that they're looking for because um, we also find a lot of roles at mid-level to be quite challenging to hire for because they're not too senior and they're not too junior Mm. Um, and most candidates don't ultimately want to move largely right I mean the next logical career path is always about chasing that next big role um, that next big title um, more money for example progression and growth so chances are they won't want to move naturally. So if, if you do then maybe compromise on the level of the role, then chances of them maybe progressing and retaining them would be a lot higher. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I was just interested, when we first started started talking, I know you, you were what I call a boomerang, right? You, yeah. You worked at Robert Walters for over four years in sales and marketing. You did a short stint in cybersecurity. Yeah. Then you moved to Facebook as an on-site recruiter. Then you boomerang back to Robert Walters. So what was it that kind of motivated you to go and work in in-house? Oh, I, I actually, well, I actually wanted to to take a break after spending four years with um, with the group, actually. Um, it's, it's just more around the fact that I've, my career has always been centered around sales. Um, and I think back then, I was in my late 20s, I was thinking about whether or not there's another sales role I could do. Um, right. And therefore, I actually, I actually wanted to leave without a role. And then, and then Facebook reached out to me. Right, um, it was for a one-year contract recruiter role. Mm. Um, it was also for obviously the revenue generating team in in Facebook, which is the sales team. Um, right. And I thought it was a good marry of my skill sets, right, in terms of what I could offer. Um, and I actually, I took it because um, I wanted to see if I could actually do advertising sales because. Right. To, to kind of move internally because I know myself well enough to know I'm not really a, um, um, like I, I, I just fundamentally enjoy the business development parts of my role. Right. Um, so, so I took it and I spent seven months there. Um, yeah, how was it? Oh my gosh. I, I loved the company, but I absolutely <laughs> hated the job. Sorry. Did you? <laughs> Why was that? Why was that? Oh, oh no, I, I, yeah, I just really missed the fact that I, you know, I, I, I just missed the business development part of the role. Like I, I just wasn't able to, um, I wasn't able to meet any sort of external client, um, you know, on a, on a day-to-day sort of right, basis. So you're just meeting of, internal, you're yeah. meeting internal people or what? I, yeah, I do meet internal stakeholders, um, mm. which are obviously the hiring managers for, um, for the roles that I was hiring for. But even with candidates, I don't get an opportunity to see them because from a from a volume perspective, um, you know, there, there was just a lot of roles to hire right. for. So it wasn't so yeah. personal for you. It was quite it sounds quite transactional. Yeah. Um yeah, it just wasn't I mean I just really enjoy that interaction. Yeah. Um and I feel like I get to know people a lot better if I do see them. Yeah. Um, and, and what made you decide be- then to go back to Robert Walters? Because I mean, that not a lot of people go back. To, whether they were happy there or not, many, not many people go back to the same company they were with. Mm. So, yeah, what, what was kind of your motivations at that point to look at coming back? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just really also missed uh, the environment here, people as well. I think Facebook is, was a was a fantastic organization. I think culturally it was very aligned, um, you know, with with me as a person as well. But I also mm-hmm. feel like um, 
it was such a massive organization. I think they've got more than a thousand employees here in Singapore. So, right. um, so it does feel, I mean, personally for myself, it was a little, for me, disconnected, right? Upwards yeah. um, when it comes to just being able to bounce off ideas and just being able to maybe visualize that direct impact that you would have on the organization is mm. not as much as say for example my one-to-one interaction with an industrial company that has no no brand name out there in the market and relies solely on my effort to be able to secure who they need um, yeah. as part of their growth so so right. that for more me, impact think creates something more, with a bit more impact yeah exactly yeah so and that's why I mean, I came back and, and I left to begin with, not because of, it wasn't because I was unhappy. It was just more around. Because you were doing cybersecurity. I don't blame you. My God. Because <laughs> did you go cybersecurity then left? Yeah, I did. I did. I did one year. I did <laughs> one year of tech recruitment. Yeah, that's, that's probably why. Oh, I don't blame why. you. I couldn't, I, no way I could survive the whole tech world. No offense to anyone doing IT tech, but it just seems so. <laughs> So tricky. Like it just seems tricky. Um, yeah. So, so you left, did Facebook, came back into sales and marketing where you originally were. Yeah. Came in as a manager in 2018. And then you spent a couple of years as a manager. Yeah. And then now in 2021, you've moved into a principal, which is an individual contributor role. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. What was the reason for that? Talk me through that. Same thing. I think it's just got to do with impact, right? I think with as a manager, and you know as well, Andrew, having managed the team, it's um you just you just spend the bulk of your time on more internal yeah. process improvement type of role, you know, just getting yeah. people up to speed. And as much as I I mean, I quite like the element of the role, but I think for myself, I just truly enjoy that BD part of things. Yeah. Was that a tricky conversation to have to go? Because usually, obviously, a Robert mm. Walter's way, it's same as kind of Michael Page, is about building businesses, building teams, and so encouraging yeah. consultants to want to go down the manager route because obviously it's it, it's more profitable. So how how was it to kind of have the conversation to go from manager, which sometimes people could see that as a demotion, which I'm mm. sure it's not. You, yeah. You're probably earning exactly the same amount of money. But how how did you how did you approach that? How was that? Um, well, I, I think personally, I'm just quite... I, I guess, you know, I think from a values perspective, I think like job satisfaction and happiness for me was really important. I mean, I prior, I've always prioritized that view. I mean, next yeah. to money, right? So um, so it wasn't actually a very difficult move for me, to be honest. I mean, I, I just I just felt like there was so much more I could do um, from an impact yeah. perspective. No, I respect um, you for that. I think a lot of people yeah. move into management roles and they they hate managing. Like they're not cut out for it or they just don't like it and they're rubbish managers. So yeah. I think the fact that you decided, and I'm, I'm not saying you're a rubbish manager, what I'm saying is more that's, that having the honesty to go, you know what, it's not really my bag. It's not where I, I'm not adding value as much as I would Work. as an individual yeah. contributor. I add, I add more value and impact to clients and candidates. I, I'm better sticking there. I yeah. have a huge amount of respect for that because I think more people should be honest with themselves and go, is this the right path for me? Yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah, and it, I mean, it truly made me a lot happier. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie. You like I that mean, client contact. You like to be, to yeah. just basically be all over it. Yeah, because I say when you manage, you are, you, you do have to take a step back. At, you can't always be the biggest biller as, because you are looking after another family within your team. So I to, totally yeah. understand that. Um, what would you give, what advice would you give to a recruiter starting out in the industry? I mean, you've been doing it a number of years now. Mm. Um, what, what advice would you give them? It may sound a little cliche, Andrea, but um, 
but I feel like I feel like they really need to be able to see that impact and the value that they provide. Um, don't want them thinking that they're recruiters. They should really see themselves as consultants. Because I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I've had so much of experience with you know business development. You know, you talk to a client. Um, and this is a classic case, and that I will always share. Um, in 2015, I remember calling this MD for a travel company every other day like I just find an excuse to call the person stalking yeah exactly um you know and she just goes like you know Ling I I'm sorry but you guys are not on our panel you know I've got nothing for you blah 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 Blah, blah, and then blah, 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 blah and then two years later she came back to me with a whole bunch of jobs we sold a microsite they were all exclusive it was good old microsite yeah (laughs) you're bringing back all the memories Memories. do you still do microsites is that still a thing is that still a thing is it yeah, it is. I haven't looked at the website. Long time. I I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, so... Oh, sorry, I took um, you off that story. I apologise. So they, you sold no, a no, microsite. No. Yeah. You did that. You sold all those roles. Yeah. And what was the reason for that? What was it that got the client to kind of come back with all that? All that I work? think it's just, you know, persistence and, and obviously the relationship that was built across like two years, right? I mean, I didn't... I wasn't... I mean, of course I was hoping for something every time. I'm not going to lie. Right, so you're balancing... You're doing the long play. You, the long play, as I call it. You're yeah. doing the long play with those clients and then just trying to get revenues from others. Yeah. 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 So I think it... And and that was the moment that I thought, you know, yeah, this job is worth it, you know? I, and I think it's... it's it's Sometimes I, I, I think you get so you get so blinded by the fact that there are all these short-term numbers and goals that you need to sort of go yeah. through and, and you know, like certain milestones that you kind of need to hit. But I think yeah. if you really do look at it from a longer-term perspective, um, you can Especially go Especially in far. Singapore, because I think most, quite a high proportion of the clients who can't, you're dealing with stay in Singapore. You know, Singapore's not, it's not like, say, London or Europe where mm. people are very transient. You know, if you're Singapore, a lot of Singaporeans do, stay and grow up here they don't all move like it's not you know family and kind of being in Asia is a really big thing so I think if you're in recruitment just the amount of money you can make if you just stick to building those relationships it will kind of pay off yeah Um, I wanted to just touch on a couple of questions before we get onto the rapid fire round because I know I know you've got a client call to do in in 10 minutes so I want to make sure that I, I don't run out of time and that you're all prepared to do a great call um you, you know, you've been on the other side, you worked as an on-site recruiter. What are the fundamental differences between an agency recruiter and an on-site? Because at the moment, the market's gone mad, right? Mm. And a lot of MDs have spoken to me to say they've lost a lot of their talent to in-house roles. Um, and I suppose I'm just really keen to kind of, what kind of advice have you got that you can perhaps give to a listener out there that's thinking of moving out of agency to go to on-sites just so that they can make a better informed decision? I think if you do move out of onsite, you you just need to be prepared that the role may be somewhat um, transactional because I mean I've been on that Facebook side of things and you know you you do get very much bogged down with delivery and it's all about you know being able to close um, and yeah. and the percentage of conversion there right that we're looking at um, in terms of um, roles to fill so I think that's something that I think you need to I I think the individual really needs to have a good think about um, yeah. and I think also. Um, depending on the organization as well, because not not every firm is structured the same way. Um, If you do join a larger firm, it is very, very layered in terms of structure. So you may not then 
Um, so once and again, I'm very impact driven. So it could be different for other people as well. I need yeah. to be able to see a direct impact in terms of the individual I'm bringing on board for that particular team. So if you if you end up working for a larger organization, then it's probably um, it's less difficult to sort of like identify that because a lot of yeah. times from a budgeting and from a headcount perspective, you are not involved in that conversation. Yeah. You're just there to deliver it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really doesn't sound fun at all. Um, financially, does it pay? More, less, same? Um, same thing. I think it depends on the firm that um, that the individual is exploring. I would say with about seven to eight years worth of experience, you probably won't need to take a cut on your base. But obviously, if it's a comms-driven environment, will, though, right? yeah, then yeah. you probably will. Yes, yeah, so you need to yeah. look at the motivations on that. Okay, yeah. so let's do rapid fire round. Um, <laughs> Very interesting is, questions. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, a little bit different, aren't they? Uh, what is one country you have on your list to visit now that travel is starting to open up? Portugal. Portugal. Yeah. It's right next to Spain, actually. So it's just for convenience purposes. <laughs> so what's the reason? It's just for convenience purposes. I actually don't want to go to Spain, but Portugal is right next door. So. And what do you love about Portugal? Um, no, I just never been. I heard it's a very, very nice, less touristy yeah. compared to some of the other more um compared to the other European towns. Yeah, yeah. same. I've heard some great things about Portugal. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a lovely place to visit. Okay, so when it opens up, you're off. You're off to <laughs> Portugal. So working in the office, work from home or hybrid model, what is your personal choice? Um, I personally prefer a hybrid model. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to spend a, a lot, well, in, in terms of split, probably three and two, three days in the office and two days at home. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like think that. it just helps to kind of frame the week. Is that something that Robert Waters are doing? Like mm. what's the, yeah. are you, do you have a choice or is it kind of set days? Like how does it work? Um, it will be set days, I think, for all teams moving, yeah, moving into next year. Okay. Yeah. If you could change one thing about mankind, I hate the word mankind. If you can think, think, if you could change one thing about mankind, what would it be? Uh, I would say greed. Yeah, like comparisons, like the teeth of joy. You know, if you're not gonna ever be contented, then terrible. Well, that's a controversial one in Asia, in Singapore, isn't it? <laughs> Singapore isn't so. Denmark was the most content country in the world, wasn't it? And I think yeah, we're definitely not Singapore, a content but Asia in general was quite uh-huh. low down. We're like all the way down, but like but like so far down the list. Oh yeah, my gosh. I think yeah. it's a really interesting one as a as a topic area though, because I think. Yeah, I think we all know Singapore's such a great place to live and it's safe, but sometimes we, I think we can all fall into that trap of not being content, actually, yeah. or not being grateful for what we actually have. So, yeah. yes, I like that. I like that. I like yeah, that. and also in like recruitment, you're always like chasing numbers, right? So like just be, just be happy that this client wants to talk to you. I like it. I like that. Like, the ending of that. I want to thank you for your time today. It was awesome getting to know you and I want to really thank you for just sharing about business development, about sourcing, about if people are looking to move out of agency into in-house. I really appreciate that. So thank you so much. For no, on thank show. you. Thanks for having me, Andrea. Really it was great. It. If you would like to get in contact with Ling, then please check out her notes on the, on the episode, on the show notes. They will have her contact details on LinkedIn and also her email. Um, don't be stingy. Share it with as many people as you can. Rate it and review it. Now, if you're a recruitment leader and looking to join a group that embraces diversity and inclusion, please reach out and join Women in Recruitment Asia. Robert Waters, RA company member. Um, it's packed full of events, recruitment resources, mentoring
mentoring programs and its own learning academy. So check it out at www.womeninrecruitmentasia.com. So stay safe out there and be kind to each other. You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. 